0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone! Oh God. The mark of fantasy
1: excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. Brooks.
2: shine fantasy players it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood monday january 7th let's cock a doodle do it this is roto experts in the morning right here in the award winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Aiden Martinez. They call me Speeds the Spitting Statistician, and as always, I am overjoyed to be joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer El Rey de Fantasía, the King, Scott Angle. Scotty, how you doing this Monday morning after Wild Card Weekend?
1: Doing uh, doing well. Uh, you know, some very, very interesting games. Uh, three of the four Wild Card teams. Actually, one, not the one that I had hoped, but, uh, you know, making for some very interesting matchups for next weekend. And also a lot of questions to consider uh, regarding the eliminated teams
2: yeah absolutely and we got two hours this morning we are going to get into it we will talk about all four of the wild card games that happened over the weekend as Scott mentioned we'll also look ahead uh, now there's four more teams headed for their offseason for their tea times for their Caribbean vacations and we'll talk about kind of you know the little autopsy on uh, the Texans the Seahawks the Ravens and the Bears in terms of what are the things that they need most to uh, avoid the same fate next year we'll get into some of the injuries that took place, only one or two, and we'll also obviously start to talk about moving forward to what I consider the best weekend in football, divisional weekend, where you have four games and the big boys involved as well. Scott, the very first thing I want to ask you about, all season long, we were talking about how we wanted to take the overs. We were talking about the offensive league. We were talking about how there is no solid, you know, kind of reliable defenses on a week-to-week basis. Here we are, though, Scott, wild-card weekend, and only one of the four games went over 40 with the total. I mean, we had a 28 total, a 40 total, a 31 total, and even the Seahawks and Cowboys only got up to 46. All of a sudden, is, uh defense winning championships now that we're in the tournament.
1: It certainly seems that way, although things can change when we get deeper in the playoffs, as we certainly saw in last year's Super Bowl, too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And some of the high-flying offenses, you know, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Rams, really, and the Patriots even to a certain extent, don't get going until next week. But I did find it interesting, you know, even with some of these teams like the Indy-Houston game, you know... uh people were excited about the potential of what Deshaun Watson could do, what Andrew Luck can do, and that game finishes under 30, you know? Um, so it is interesting, though, Scotty, that all of a sudden, you know, it gets a little bit tighter, the brights, the lights get a little bit brighter as we come to the playoffs. I also would say that, you know, last week, Scotty, we talked about it as a general thing with the first-time quarterback and the first-time coach in the playoffs, and not for nothing, both Deshaun Watson looked a little bit off on Saturday. Lamar Jackson looked a little bit off on Sunday. Mitchell Trubisky didn't look the best on Sunday either. Do you think that narrative of the first-time playoff quarterbacks actually held last weekend?
1: It, it pretty it pretty much did, you know, especially with Lamar Jackson and just a great game plan from the Chargers as well, you know, with the seven defensive backs, yeah, and uh, the safeties playing linebackers, using, using speed there. Uh but, but, because, you know, how is how is Jackson going to beat that? They had speed to close up the rushing lanes, and then when they went to pass, you try to throw against seven defensive backs. So uh, you know it was very, very good defensive game plan. Coaching uh, definitely came into vogue uh, as well. So you know there's there's something else to be to be said for that as as well. Yeah, absolutely. I remember on Friday's show, Scotty, part of the reason why I picked the
2: Chargers was that exact point, that it would be the second time around that they saw them, you know, and that they may be able to adjust, and one of the adjustments they made was by putting those safeties playing uh, playing linebacker, especially Derwin James, but it was all three of them playing linebacker as an adjustment, second time around seeing Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Scotty, in terms of uh, injuries, you know, I thought there were two that I wanted to mention one of them was melvin gordon though and he came back i gotta tell you something scott when he left the field i thought he was done for the day he did in fact come back for a little bit but in the second half they did ride austin eckler a lot what are we hearing about melvin gordon's knee
1: uh, nothing yet it's too early it's okay. uh you know he we knew he was banged up going into the game he's been banged up for the last few weeks he ran for 40 yards yesterday He's still got the end zone. You know, Melvin Gordon's been banged up for a few weeks, and he got banged up again. Yeah, the one injury, though, to a
2: team that is still playing was gruesome, Scott. Unfortunately, Cowboys wide receiver Alan Hearns goes down with the ankle. Everyone knew right away it was so gruesome. They didn't really show it again on the telecast. I think he's already had surgery for that ankle. It looks like the Cowboys are definitely going to be without Alan Hearns as long as they are playing for the rest of this season.
1: Yeah, you know Hearns wasn't really a major contributor to their offense. Kind of a disappointment this year, but yeah. you know you never you never want to see an injury like that. It just it was it was awful. And uh, the reports are that he should be ready in uh, by August, uh, to, you know, to return to football activities. So that's good to hear.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, our our thoughts and prayers go out to Alan Hearns. It was a gruesome injury. You're right. He wasn't as big of a part of the Cowboys offense as we thought he may have been when they signed him in the offseason. You know, they drafted Gallup. They trade for Amari Cooper, things of that nature. They even had Tavon Austin uh, back on the field a little bit over the weekend. But, you know, obviously you never want to see an injury like that. So we hope that Alan Hearns is okay for, you know, OTAs and the start of, of next season. All right, Scotty, let's dive into the games. I'm going to take them basically in order in which they happened, and we're going to talk about the games. And then, like I said, in the next hour, we'll do a little bit more of an autopsy of the losing teams, but it's the winners who get to write the history books. And so, let's start in the first game the Indianapolis Colts go into Texas, go into Houston, and get a 21 7 win. Scotty, you made the point at the top of the show. Three of the road teams this week actually got a win forget home field advantage it was three of the lower seeded teams I think it goes to show just how much parity there is in the league we talk about that there's no like runaway team and that was evident in the first game of the weekend honestly Scott the Colts win 21-7 the Colts look like the better team from the very beginning Deshaun Watson looked like a quarterback I mean his QBR was 23 for this game Looked like he wasn't ready for the bright lights Andrew Luck though him and Frank Reich, they look like they have an offense, and that they are kind of in simpatico. I think one of the announcers said that this looked like Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I gotta say the same thing. This Colts offense looks like it's humming.
1: Yeah, it does. And it looks different than Sean Payton and Drew Brees right now because you know that team that team has morphed it back into what it was last year. You know, you look at Brees and his number down the stretch. You know that offense is not exactly high flying anymore. You know this this. This Colts team is so impressive. They've gone from worst to first in sacks, allowed just great protection yeah. by that interior of that offensive line. And, you know, Luck pretty much pick his spots early on. This this game was an like extended garbage time for the second half. They had, they had a great mix of passing and running the ball, you know, exactly what they wanted to do. You know, Dontrell Inman was a big factor. T.Y. Hilton did most of, the da- most of his damage on the first two drives as this team just you know, exerted their will offensively and let a very underrated defense take over from there. Deshaun Watson went back to uh, what we saw at times earlier this Mm -hmm. year and something he's going to have to work on during the offseason. I'll talk more about it in the autopsy section. Just when they took away the deep ball and they took away DeAndre Hopkins – Deshaun Watson all of a sudden becomes an erratic quarterback who can't consistently hit the high percentage passes and is not not sure when to take off and run it. He just he played very badly this weekend.
2: Yeah, he really did. Like I said, his QBR was twenty-three point four. He went twenty-nine of forty nine for two hundred and thirty-five yards. It's still basically a sixty percent completion percentage. But to your point, and honestly, Scott, this is not about us patting ourselves on the back. But I really do believe the difference in these two offensive lines were huge in this game. Okay, we talk about how the Colts offensive line has really changed uh, from last year to this year. They gave up 18 sacks all season, the lowest in the NFL to protect who I believe is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL in Andrew Luck. And when he gets that kind of protection, this is what that offense looks like. On the flip side, Deshaun Watson was only sacked three times, but he... He had pressure on him a lot, and to your point, if they take away DeAndre Hopkins and there's some pressure in his face, Deshaun Watson, you know – still, like you said, is erratic, is is unsure sometimes in the pocket, doesn't know whether he wants to scramble or throw. I really believe, and we said this on Friday, Scott, the idea that this Houston offensive line was not protecting Deshaun Watson really all year. Remember back in the middle of the season, they wouldn't let this man on a plane because of his ribs and his lungs, and that is something that was really going on for them all year long as well. But when you talk about, on the flip side, this Indianapolis Colts team, if they are able to protect Andrew luck they can go pretty far the other thing Scott that this offensive line does for Indianapolis is 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 the run game Marlon Mack 24 carries 148 yards and a touchdown this against the Texans defense that hadn't given up a hundred yard rusher all season Scott
1: yeah you know Marlon Mack has seemingly showed up in these games where uh where the defense is very formidable Uh, You remember, he went over 100 yards against Dallas uh, a few weeks ago, too. So uh, Marlon Mack, you know, he's been inconsistent from a fantasy perspective, but he really showed up and uh, did exactly what you want to do by the book, game flow-wise, but you just want to chew up the clock in the second half and protect that lead. And now he goes to Kansas City, and they just have an awful run defense. They absolutely do. So
2: that's going to be a very interesting one. Colts and Chiefs. Listen, I think I think all of these teams in the AFC are live, if you want to know the truth. I literally believe all four teams that are left standing in the AFC can, in fact, represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Um, I got to ask you this, though, Scotty. When we talk again about Marlon Mack, you say he was inconsistent. But could the argument be made that it wasn't inconsistency? He was just hurt? At the beginning of the year and even towards the middle of the year, like when he's been there and when the Colts have decided to give him the ball, he's performed. I mean, he's been he was banged up towards the beginning of the year, missed a little bit of time with the hamstring again towards the middle of the year. That's when they were also playing around with guys like Jordan Wilkins, you know, and, and others in that backfield. It looks like when they when the Colts kind of uh dedicate themselves to Marlon Mack, he rewards them for doing so
1: i wasn't talking about early in the year. Obviously, it was hurt, okay, but there there were there were a few clunkers down the stretch. Like the first time they faced the Texans, 33 yards on 14 carries. Fortunately, he still got in the end zone. Uh, you know, I like Mac as an RB too, but I want to see more consistency. I don't have any proof that he was playing hurt at any specific point. I know he, you know, he was banged up a little bit, but uh, you know, I, I can't I can't go make an excuse for him when. One week he's rushing for 100 yards and the next week he's rushing for 30. Okay, fair enough. Let's look at this pass game real quick here. And, and, and to your
2: point, Scott, this was pretty much extended garbage time for most of the game, if, if not the entire second half. It was 21 nothing already at halftime. They kind of parked the bus a little bit in the second half. Andrew Luck goes 19 of 32, 222 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. T.Y. Hilton, who was kind of banged up as well, but remember, the last time he was banged up, he didn't practice all week against the Texans. He went for 199 yards. Not so much on Saturday, 5 for 85. He has been, you know, and still I think even Frank Reich said if this wasn't the playoffs, they would shut him down for a couple of weeks. Um, But, you know, T.Y. is gritting it out. But listen, other people are stepping up for this Indianapolis Colts team. And, you know, if they become something of a fantasy herd, I say it all the time. It's bad for fantasy, but it is good for the Indianapolis Colts. You still have Eric Ebron getting into the end zone. But what it really is, to be honest, is Dontrell Inman becoming a second wide receiver for this team Four for fifty. 53, he gets in the end zone. Chester Rogers four catches as well. The Colts' attack is now uh, getting spread around.
1: Yeah, but you know what though? It's it's really not really hurting fantasy. You're getting numbers from Hilton. You're getting surprisingly good numbers from Hilton Inman over the last three games. Mm-hmm. You know, Mac Mac has been doing his thing the last few weeks, and Ebron got in the end zone, he, and that that's what Ebron does. That's why you roster Ebron when you look at the tight end position, especially in fantasy playoff formats. That sets him apart. So, you know, I'm okay with this being a hurt right now. Yeah, no, absolutely.
2: Uh, Absolutely. I think it's good, and it's it's good for fantasy. And here's the thing, Scott. Next week, they've got the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know about you, but I expect that to be a pretty high-scoring game back and forth in Kansas City. I think the first total that came out already has this game as the highest total of the weekend at 56 or 57. But I would also say this with a couple of minutes that we have left. Talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Scott, this defense is legit. Scott, this defense has been, you know, we've talked about it as a streaming kind of defense for the entire season. We've talked about how they are getting pressure. Everyone is now starting to understand the kid, Darius Leonard, the rookie, who is one of the three all-pro linebackers, along with Keekly and your guy, Bobby Wagner. And I mean this defense plays kind of basic, plays their assignments, but they do it really well. Do you think they got a chance in slowing down or stopping Kansas City next week? Or do you think Pierre they're just De- going to be
1: up a, a game in the 30s? Yeah, a lot of credit to Pierre this year for doing a really yes. nice job on uh, DeAndre Hopkins as well. Absolutely. You, know, you look at that game, and if you're getting one of two defenses to get a stop, you know, I'd bet on Indianapolis way before Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City's got a good pass rush. They uh, they they tied for the NFL lead with Pittsburgh, but uh, how much does that matter against the Colts? And not not only do you credit the offensive line, but Luck gets rid of the ball so quickly; he's has such a quick release. He's gonna be he's gonna be well prepared. I, the Colts can get a stop. I, I, mm-hmm. you look at the losses. You look at the losses from Kansas City this year. All four of them were against playoff caliber teams, and they could not get a stop in any of those games. Meanwhile, the other team did and this may carry into the next round. I would not be surprised if the Colts won this week. Yeah,
2: I mean, we'll obviously have all week to break this down, but, Scotty, I hear it in your voice, and honestly... I'm thinking some of the same exact things. I really think that this Colts team is the kind of team that's coming in hot with a with an ascending defense, with an elite quarterback that's getting better, figuring it out. And honestly, Scott, for me, the key for the Indianapolis Colts is their change in their offensive line. Ryan Kelly at center, the all-pro rookie guard, Quentin Nelson. They are protecting Andrew Luck. And I'm telling you, I agree with you, Scott. I mean, we got all week to make our picks, but when you also uh, add what I saw out of the first-time quarterbacks this weekend, and I don't know if that's the same thing that's going to happen to Patty Mahomes or not, but these Indianapolis Colts are incredibly live as underdogs going into Arrowhead. Their offense is multiple. Marlon Mack is running. Their offensive line is protecting Andrew Luck, and their defense is better than most people think. Look out for the Indianapolis Colts after they get a 21-7 win in Houston over the Texans. When we come back, we talk about two NFC games. Unfortunately, Scotty Seahawks are done for the season. We'll
0: come back and talk about it. Roto Experts in the morning on the other side of the break. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then
1: one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew calls Uncle Sam.
2: Back, Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Spitting statistician and the King here on a Monday morning, taking you through all the Wild Card playoff games, what it means moving forward, and a little bit later on. I can't, you know, I just I wanted to get into it, but like this Wild Thing music has me going, you know, from like Major League, Scotty. This feels yeah. like the Rick, the Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn coming in to face Clue Hayward. Coming in to face Clue Hayward, you know, who looks like a party favor when he
1: sneezes uh, coming on in. Is that what you think about when you hear this song, Scotty? Not necessarily. Because really? Wild Thing has been covered so many times over the years. A lot of people associated with Major League. But I, I remember the first time I heard Wild Thing, and it wasn't even the first version, one of the earliest versions, I associated with Jimi Hendrix. I hear you. And listen, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I understand that it was out a long
2: time before that movie. But uh, a young, speed-spitting statistician, Scott, who, by the way, I think you know, played baseball all the way through college. Shout out to the Syracuse Orangemen. And you know how baseball players are, you know, superstitious. There was a time when I was like in high school, you know, as a teenager, I literally would play uh, the last 30 minutes of Major League, their game against the Yankees, as my superstition before every baseball game. So maybe I have this song really ingrained in my head. I could probably quote the, song, the entire thing. Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. You know, that sort of thing.
1: The song has been around for so long and covered by so many people that it has so many different meanings to so many different right. people. It's – uh yeah it's it's really just like one of those eternal classic rock threads that uh you know has been around so long and covered in so many versions that you know it's its reach is so incredible and diverse
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's just like I'm in the middle of doing I'm in the middle of coming back on the show and my mind is getting nostalgic all of a sudden because of what my man, Chris Bavona, the manimal down there in the fantasy pit of misery, is playing for us. Scotty, I also gotta let the people know that the DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for twenty nineteen with all new premium fantasy golf embedding tools. Check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping. Check out the customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings ownership projections, PGA finished probabilities, a simulator, outright and top 20 betting market tools, head-to-head and three-ball betting tools, PGA pro tips, subscriber chat, and much, much more. Go to DailyRoto.com, click on the Go Premium tab, choose Golf, and enter the promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's DailyRoto.com, click on the Premium tab, GOLF, and then enter the promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. Scotty, I also want to let people know that we have a poll question up and we're asking you who was the most impressive team of NFL wildcard weekend out of the four winners was it the Chargers the Colts the Cowboys or the Eagles and at this point Scotty it is in fact the Colts who we just broke down that are leading the poll thanks to everybody who's voted so far you can find that poll at Fantasy Radio. Don't forget, you can follow uh, Scotty Angle at Scotty Roto X. And of course, I am at Spittin' Speeds. We'll check in on that poll throughout the show. All right, Scotty, let's get to our next game. Um, I remember I think we both said on Friday that this was the closest game of the weekend for us to call that this was going to be the hardest one for us to call and the Dallas and interestingly enough, I think this finished as a uh, Dallas minus two. I think it finished with Dallas as a two point favorite. And in fact, Dallas wins by two points. Those guys out there in the desert keep on building those buildings by making these great lines. The Cowboys Get a two point win, twenty four twenty two over the Seattle Seahawks. I gotta tell you, here's what when I, what I think about this game, Scotty. Both teams, we said this, we're gonna want to play good defense. We're gonna try to run the ball. I think the biggest thing, honestly, Scotty, where was Chris Carson in this game? Honestly, 13 carries, 20 yards. This was like the number one rushing team in the league. The entire team combined for 24 carries, 73 yards. Um, They were not able to run the ball against this Dallas Cowboys defense. I think that was one of the biggest
1: issues for Seattle in this one. That was the biggest issue. Where was Chris Carson? He was there. Slamming it to brick walls. Yeah, he was in my DFS you know, lineup, not the, doing a damn thing, the, is what was going on. The, the interior running game just didn't work at, at all. And uh, you know, Brian Schottnivers had heavy criticism, you know, since that since that game out in Seattle because he stubbornly stuck with it. He and Pete Carroll stubbornly stuck with it, even though Russell Wilson was obviously completing a ton of key passes. Every time he, he 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 pretty much threw the ball, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially mid to later in the game, you know, they put him in, they, they were constantly putting him in, uh, you know, in verse passing situations early, like third and seven, third and 14, as the offense kind of sputtered throughout the first half. And then when Wilson started opening things up more in the second half, he, was, he said, why did they open things up more? They they kept stubbornly sticking with running the ball and that, that was a big part of the downfall. At one point I was saying, running up the middle is not gonna work. You know, this is a very right. physical front. I said, Why don't they bring in Rashad Penny and see what he can do in the perimeter? He rips off a twenty eight yard run. He suffers a loss in the next play. They take him back out and you never see him again. I just you know, I was I was very I was very befuddled, that I think a lot of people that cover the team, a lot of the fans are very befuddled by how they stubbornly stuck to the run when it was obviously riding Russell Wilson was probably the best way to go. Yeah, I, I hear you, Scott, and I agree with
2: you. Let me play the devil's advocate on, on that point on two levels, okay? The, the two things I would say back to that, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but here's the thing one is we've talked about this a lot you've talked about this a lot that chris carson is one of those kind of backs and there's other in, others in this league that um Those two and three yard runs in the first half become six and seven yard runs in the second half. You know, we talk about how teams have to kind of stick with it and have faith with it and that it wears teams down as it goes along. And that's one of what I would say is an argument of like sticking with it and keeping with the run game. That's one. The other thing I would say is. Uh, Scott. It's not like the Cowboys were up two scores really at any point going to, in the game, right? It was like 10-6 at halftime. Then the Seahawks take the lead, right, at, and take the two point conversion because Janikowski, you know, pulls something and they're up fourteen ten. So it's not like the Cowboys ever really had a two score lead. That in essence, like force them out of the run game. Does that make sense? Like, I know it wasn't working, but aren't they kind of built of, like, grinding it and keep plugging, keep chopping wood in order to hope the run game becomes more effective at the end of the game?
1: There was no reason to do that. Every time Carson was getting the ball, there was no hope for those, th- those th- right. he Usually those two th- – he starts off the game, like, hitting, like, Two yarders turning into four yarders, lost right turning into three yarders, etc. That wasn't happening. Every the, yeah. the offensive line was getting whipped. If he was getting one yard, if he was getting lucky, he was using, He was losing yardage constantly. It wasn't there at all. It wasn't until that Russell Wilson started taking the game in his hands that they were able to move the ball at all to even get into yeah. the position for those two field goals in the first half. So it wasn't a case of all where you had to stick with it. It was going to get better because it wasn't getting any better. The offensive line was getting absolutely whipped in the running game. Yep. Uh, fair enough.
2: There was a beautiful fourth down conversion, though, to Doug Baldwin on the sidelines that kept one drive going, you know, in the pass game, Baldwin only three for 32. Tyler Lockett continuing to show that he is the man, in my opinion, for the Seattle pass game moving forward. They signed him going into this season, Scott, right to, what was it, like a three-year extension? And I think Lockett has really proven that he is going to be a huge part of the Seattle passing game moving forward. Tyler Lockett four for 120, along with some returns. But let's look at the side of the winners here scott the dallas cowboys i remember us saying on friday you know we like dallas's chances if they give zeke elliott the ball like 30 times and they basically did 26 for 137 and a touchdown on the ground he catches another four passes for 32 yards but honestly here's the other thing that happened in key situations a piece of this game that they haven't been doing as much. Dak Prescott was part of the running game as well, making a couple of key conversions. I'm thinking specifically of the one late in the game where it was like 3rd and 12 or 3rd and 14 third and, and 14. he ra- yeah, and he ran and completed the fourth uh, the first down. But Dak gets into the end zone with his legs, six carries, 29 yards. You know, him and Zeke combined for over 160 yards. That running game was going for Dallas.
1: Yeah, it was really, like, about Zeke. They were stuffing him early, and his 41-yard run at the end of the half was a When he bounced outside on the game. third down? That when was crazy. When he bounced outside. That was, uh, I, I was watching... The guy the game who lost said, contain there was crazy. That, that, that all-22 yeah, angle Akeem, that they showed Akeem, on the replay? Akeem, Akeem, yeah, Akeem King just lost yeah. contain, and, you know, he should have had some help over there because I was watching the game, and I said... Third and one. I know there's like only like one four left, but you better watch for a run mm-hmm. from on third and one because they do have another timeout, and yep. that's exactly what happened. And that really shifted momentum uh, back into Dallas's favor because Seattle had the lead and the ball, uh, the ball to start the second half. That made that made a huge difference, and he also had some big runs on that final drive. A lot of his runs were. They were very key. You know, They the timing of the runs. Dak uh, yeah. Prescott's obviously, you know, that was the one that sealed it. And for the, those who have been critical of Dak, you know, all he has to do is to point those to point support supporters, can point to that run on third and 14, whereas yeah. defense, you just can't let that happen. No, absolutely. If they get to stop there, you know, Seattle is still right there
2: in it. I and like, how do you let the quarterback on third and fourteen scramble for fifteen? Is will never, you know, will is beyond me. I gotta tell you. But Dak, as part of this running game, um, you know, is a very interesting piece. One other thing I want to mention though, Scott, on this um on the Seattle team. Um this team is a lot better with KJ right there, huh? On defense, like the combo of KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, they were both all over the field, and it was clear that KJ Wright, you know, KJ Wright had a big game. Bobby Wagner was everywhere, and uh, this offense is much different with KJ Wright right there uh,
1: next to Bobby Wagner and that linebacker level. It is, it is. You know, people talk about all the losses that. You know, they had during the offseason when I was saying this team could be a playoff team. They still have KJ Wright. They still have Bobby Wagner. You know, that's those, Bobby Wagner's the best middle linebacker in football, and KJ Wright is one of the best outside linebackers. You know, there's still pieces from that glory year, and two of them right there, you know, that, you know, a part of that defense that went to two Super Bowls. KJ Wright was a big, big part of that. You know, he's a big difference maker. He's a free agent, and, uh, you know, hmm. Bobby Wagner really wants him to come back. And uh, yeah. I, think make, I think they'll make a big push to get him back because I, I think he's still got more good years left. Big difference for, between him and Austin Calitro uh, in the lineup is he, he played only five games this year. It just baffles me like how some of this all pro voting is whacked, like oh, the Pro Bowl voting is whacked. How is he a. Mm-hmm. I love KJ Wright, he's a great player, but how are, you, how are you a Pro Bowl alternate when you've played five games? No, that's true. We talk about the Pro Bowl voting
2: all the time and how, you know, sometimes people don't know what's really going on there. I agree with you. He's a great player, but you need to play. <laughs> you know, it's not just on reputation. You I'll got tell it you on what I was impressed as with, well.
1: Good. Amari, Amari Cooper has a reputation. That's where I was going to go. Bull or bust. That's where I was going to go, Amari yeah. Cooper. Amari Cooper never broke that huge play, but he made a lot of key catches.
2: He sure did. I was going to go there as well. Real quick before when we're talking about KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, I got to tell you something. This up and coming Dallas Cowboy linebacker crew, you know, Van Der Esch with 10 tackles, Jalen Smith with seven Jaylen tackles. Smith, yeah. Yeah. The, and that, this is without Sean Lee, right? And they don't need Sean Lee anymore. You know, quite frankly, with these two guys and Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are going to be there with bad intentions, howling at the moon for the next
1: decade for this Dallas Cowboys. And that's going to be an You know an what issue. the interesting thread is here? When What's up? When talk about Wright and Wagner. Yep. You look over at the other side of the defensive ball. The guy who's running the defense now who did a great job for Dallas over the weekend is Chris Richard. He's a former yep. Seahawks. He's gonna be a candidate. Too. He has he has built this defense in the image Similarly. of those past Seahawks Seahawk defenses That's with right. two linebackers like Van Der Esch and mm-hmm. Jalen Smith. And you talk about Wagner, you talk about Wagner right. It's the same thing. They have big corners. You know, he's tried to to build that team vision of the Seattle defense. And all of a sudden, everybody's talking about this as one of the best defenses Mm -hmm. in the league it's
2: interesting I mean remember Dan Quinn tried to do the same thing down there in Atlanta if you remember it didn't really work out as well let's say you know remember we're talking about how like oh Keanu Neal was the Earl Thomas or was the Cam Chancellor you know That's kind Camp of General, trying to but... do the same kind of thing and remember also you know you know this as well as anybody Scott Well, early in the season with Earl Thomas who was the team that many people thought he was going to be traded to it was these Dallas Cowboys you know for the same reason even Earl Thomas I just remember, I think a year ago, went up to Garrett right after the game and was like, hey, Try and get me out of here. That sort of thing. So, yes, the Dallas Cowboys are trying to be built in a similar way. And, yes, Chris Richard, who you mentioned, uh, I think he went on something like three interviews yesterday with the Bucks, with the Jets, and I forget the third team. But I think he went on three interviews yesterday. Last thing to mention real quick here because you did mention it, Amari Cooper, seven catches, 106 yards, Scotty. I mean, I remember at the trading deadline, when Golden Tate got traded for like a third or fourth round pick, Demarius Thomas went for like a third or a fourth round pick, and then Amari Cooper got traded for a first round pick, and we were we were laughing at Jerry Jones. We Everybody. were saying, ah, that's crazy. You know, absolutely, we all were, right? But I got to tell you something. The Cowboys now have their triplets back with Cooper and Zeke and Dak, and Amari Cooper has been performing as a wide receiver one since he has been in Dallas. Scott, my question is, should he be drafted that way next? year in fantasy. I would say high end wide receiver
1: too. Yeah. Okay. I, would you rather have promising. him or Mike
2: Evans next year? Mike Evans or Amari Cooper?
1: Oh, that's a tough one cuz Mike Evans is slightly overrated, you know, the the final numbers always look better. I I'm probably going to have to take Amari Cooper because I won't have to I won't have to pick him as as early.
2: Okay. But those two guys are going to be right around the same, right? They're going to be like, I don't know, roughly, and of course there's a lot of time, but we're talking about kind of like wide receiver 13, 14, something like that, if right? If Jameis
1: Winston is still the quarterback, Yeah, I'd rather have Amari Cooper because I think Dak Prescott will be a more consistent passer. That's interesting, and I agree with you. However,
2: a thing back in the Mike Evans, Jameis Winston category is I'm hearing Bruce Arians may be that new head coach there, and if it is, I would love to see what they can do in a Bruce Arians offense.
1: The other thing is, too, is that if you look at it right now, Mari Cooper doesn't have a whole lot around him. and you well, know, he's got Zeke the ball. They, <laughs> no, I'm talking about in the passing game. Okay. In the passing game, he doesn't have a whole lot of help around him, so he can be more of a target hound. But you know, what is Dallas going to do during the right. offseason to maybe bring in another receiver? That's going to yeah. be a consideration.
2: No, absolutely. So it will be a consideration. But I think one thing that is clear is that while he is wearing a star on his helmet, Amari Cooper does need to be considered, you know, Scott, I would say within the top 15 of wide receivers in the NFL. Would you you sign off on that, that he's a top 15 wide receiver?
1: Yeah. Is Golden Tate a free agent?
2: I think so. I think that's the only reason he was traded. You think Uh, he'd be a perfect fit in Dallas? I think
1: Golden Tate would be – ideal fit in dallas isn't that what Perfect. cole beasley
2: is supposed to be isn't that what cole, beasley is supposed cole to be, beasley's guys?
1: not as talented as cole would take
2: absolutely i agree with you listen so ends the seahawks season the cowboys move on when we come back on the other side of the break we talk about these sunday games the los angeles chargers travel across country to get it done at one o'clock eastern time will they be able to do it again in foxborough next week we'll talk about that Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, and it all when we come back on Roto Experts in the Morning.
0: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. Fantasy Sports Today. But do you think uh, we're pretty uh, injury-free from a contributor standpoint
1: coming into Wild Card Weekend? As far as we know anyway, right? Right, well, I mean, yes, we, we, yes, we, yes, 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 yes. We know they're going to lie to us, you know, and they're not going to tell us everything if they know and what's going on. Okay players. we're okay wow, with well, we're, we're used okay. to anyway, <laughs> it.
2: Right, I think at this point in life, listen, if you're surprised about any really sports team lying to
0: you, well, you probably haven't been paying all that much attention because that, that's what they do. And I, in some ways, I don't blame them there. Weekends, 8 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. New Year, New You. Yeah, you hear that saying every single New Year's Day, right? But it takes money to get that new you for the new year. You need money for that gym membership. You need money to buy the expensive, healthier groceries. And you need money to go on that awesome vacation with the cute girl or guy in your office. But there is something to help you get that money, and it's free. When you download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, you get to listen to the best fantasy sports analysis 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for free. Fantasy analysis, betting odds, and plenty of entertainment to help you get that money you need to start your New Year's journey. Go to the iTunes or Google Play Store, download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app, and start listening to the best fantasy sports and betting analysis in the industry. We want you to drop those holiday pounds. We want you to take that awesome vacation. And we want to see you start 2019 right by downloading the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're here to give you that cash, to start a new year with a new you.
2: Welcome back. Roto Experts in the morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dan Martinez and the King, Scott Angle, taking you through all the wildcard games. Scotty, we also got a poll question up asking which was the most impressive team in wildcard weekend. Right now, the Colts Our runaway winner, 58% of you think that the Colts were the most impressive team on Wild Card Weekend, followed by the Eagles, the Chargers, and then the Cowboys at only 8%. Scotty, I also want to let the people know, That if you're at the game or if you just got a gut feeling, it doesn't matter. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. Try it out today. You'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to MyBookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY, and MyBookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000. That's MyBookie.ag Enter the promo code FNTSY. All right. Scotty let's go to another game here on Sunday Sunday kicked off with the Los Angeles Chargers going across country to Baltimore to take on the Ravens they get a W 23 to 17 I gotta tell you this first of all Scott you know I've been on the Chargers all season long they've been kind of my team and I really want to say here that the Chargers are uniquely qualified to take the road route in this playoff Okay. They, they they go on the road to Baltimore. They're going to be on the road again in New England. But as you remember, Scotty, we talked about it all season. They don't have a home field advantage playing at the StubHub Center. They were on the road for a month and a half in the middle of their season with games, you know, with games in London having a bye, things of that nature. And this is a team I think that is built to go on the road as a complete team with some balance on offense and defense and really, you know, kind of be able to. To hang with anybody. I think these the road warriors are actually a good look for these Chargers because it's not like they have a home field advantage at all. Scott,
1: yeah, there ain't no one getting on a plane this year. So, yeah, <laughs> oh. you know, they, they're built. But there's one stat that hang of dirty stat that hangs out there. That you know, I talk about Phil Rivers playing the postseason. Yeah, and now he's five hundred. He's never lost a wild card game to his credit, including the playoffs all time. He's zero seven against Tom Brady. Wow, that
2: is going to be a tough one when we see it uh, next Sunday at one o'clock. They will want, and you know what? They also they put the Chargers again in the one o'clock spot on Sunday. You know they could have had them. They could have had them on Saturday or on Saturday night, but they put them in the road spot on the East Coast at one o'clock on Sunday in Foxborough yet again. you know, don't get me started on them stacking the deck in the Patriots' favor. But I digress. Let's dive on into this one. Honestly, Scott, you know, and I hate to say it this way because the kid has done so much. He was 6-1 as a starter for the Baltimore Ravens. Really gave that team life for a little while. But Lamar Jackson looked like he was swimming out of his depth yesterday he looked erratic he was 14 of 29 he fump- at one point he fumbled like three snaps in a row there at one point there was something like the Ravens had eight plays and three fumbles at one point he just looked he was horribly missing receivers when they were open in the pass game he was under pressure from Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa all day long they were talking about going to back to Joe Flacco I actually think that Harbaugh should have pulled the trigger in the second half what do you think about that Scotty
1: the whole Flacco thing, it's like what what was Flacco gonna do? He was mediocre before he got benched. It wasn't gonna make a difference. They didn't have a quarterback in the building that basically could have brought them back. It's like Joe Joe Flacco's, you know, maybe a better passer than uh you know, better pure passer than Lamar Jackson at this point, but not anything that's gonna scare that defense. They would have been back to their regular defense, they would have been fine, although they were, were down to their third string middle linebacker, but i I would have no confidence in a Joe Flacco comeback, none of it the, the team was done and, and that was it you know the, to me uh you know as as far as as far as Lamar Jackson goes, like I said, they came up with a great game plan, seven defensive backs, you know to basically use speed uh to mm-hmm. combat Lamar Jackson then when he's got a pass, you got seven defensive backs out there, so how how is he possibly going to beat that? It was just it was a great game plan. You talk about these former Seattle defensive coordinators. Gus Bradley's another, and he came there in. There you go. He came in with a great game plan, and uh, you know they 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 really adjusted very well. This was about the defense. You know, we, we thought this was going to be about. You know, people like me thought this was going to be about Baltimore's defense. It was about defense, but it was about the Chargers' defense. You know, they they had a a terrific terrific game plan. Uh, and coming in, I noted that, uh, you know, my preview on rotoexperts.com, and I'll preview all the divisionals on the new rotoexperts NFL year round 365 this week is that this team lost the most fumbles in the NFL this year, yeah, at, at 11. So, and that continued to be a problem. Kenneth Dixon, who fumbled in the game at Los Angeles, fumbled again yesterday. They're running backs, nobody fumbled more than the, than the, uh, then the rushers for the uh, Baltimore Ravens this year they lost sixteen they, they had sixteen fumbles and they lost six of them overall as a team they lost eleven and that came back to bite them again yesterday
2: yeah, absolutely. Ball security was an issue for Lamar Jackson as well, so not only their running backs and listen. Scotty, on Friday's show, I said that a deciding factor would be that this is now the first time a defense has seen Lamar Jackson for a second time. I said that it was going to be a lot easier for a team to adjust to the Ravens with Lamar Jackson than anybody adjusting to what the Chargers can do. It was the second time in three or four weeks that they had seen them, and they had a plan for it. Let me ask you this, Scotty. This, you know... What does this now mean for the Ravens moving forward? I mean, we talked about we're going to do these autopsies later on, and we still will, but the second time around, a team seeing them, they were able to come up with a plan and handle it. I remember a couple of years ago, Scott, when RG3 and the read option was all the rage for about a year. And then after people got tape and after teams had a plan on how to stop it, it kind of went away a little bit as a main part of an offense. So now if you're the Ravens going into this offseason and you're like, oh, this is so exciting. Lamar Jackson went 6-1. and one. We have something unique. We have something dynamic, but then all of a sudden you know, the Cleveland Browns at the end of the game in week 17 the Los Angeles Chargers in wild card weekend now have potentially a blueprint on how to stop it are you like, what are you thinking going into the offseason with Lamar Jackson, you're going to have to add some bells and whistles to this or are you comfortable and confident that this can still uh, work in 2019
1: the short term plan for Lamar Jackson should be is. You don't let him become an RG3. What they did with RG3 is they tried to make him into a pocket passer. You don't do that. In the long term, you don't want him to become Michael Vick from an NFL perspective because Michael Vick was an erratic passer. Excellent fantasy player, erratic NFL quarterback. Uh, What you want to do is... You 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 want this guy to improve as a passer, but you want to play to his strengths. You want to be able to to break the pocket and make plays to extend plays like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson do. You know, mobile quarterbacks who when they when they get on the go, Aaron Rodgers they get they get to be very dangerous, and that's what you want him to become. You need to surround him with better playmakers than John Brown and Michael Crabtree because when a guy breaks the pocket and They have receivers who can play well creatively on the go. And when their quarterback is breaking the pocket, that they can break open. Guys who can freelance. Guys, again, like Golden Tate. If you bring in the right sort of pass catchers and you you make this guy a better passer when he's breaking the pocket, You know, there's nowhere to go but up for Lamar Jackson, in my estimation, both from a real life and a fantasy perspective. Fantasy-wise, you know the floor is going to be there. I think you can only improve as a passer because he was extremely, extremely raw this year.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, obviously, there's, uh, there's work to be done with Lamar. But at the same time, it's also obvious that, you know, it is very exciting. The potential future for Baltimore with Lamar Jackson is very, very exciting. However, Scott, the Ravens lost this game. So let's talk a little bit about the Chargers who, who won this game. And honestly, <laughs> you know, Scott, I mean, for the last, oh, I don't know, five years maybe, one of the Achilles heels of the Los Angeles Chargers – has been their kicking game, Scott. And I know I don't want to dedicate too much time to this, but Badly performed very well. Five of six field goals, including a 53-yarder. In a nip-and-tuck game like this, Scott... In years past when they had like Young Wing Koo or whoever it was like they would this is the kind of game that the Chargers would not have won Scott they would have either missed some kicks Philip Rivers would have thrown a crazy pick at some point Philip Rivers took care of the ball for the most part yeah Virgil Green fumbled and almost gave the Ravens kind of the impetus they needed and the momentum they needed but Philip Rivers you know no picks in this one they hit five field goals these are the kind of things that you know kind of stubbed the Chargers' toe in years past. But this team, honestly, there's I I feel a different vibe around this team. They're comfortable going on the road, you know, kind of on on a business trip and playing clean football. We all know that they're a well-rounded and talented team. Talk about well-rounded also, Scott. I mean, you know, Mike Williams, 42 yards, Keenan Allen, 37, Gates, Benjamin Tyrell Williams Melvin Gordon This team is multiple with a lot of options If they don't turn the ball over And they don't miss some field goals Just like the Colts I think the Chargers are live on the road Next weekend
1: You know everything in the playoffs Gets further under the microscope As the cliche would go Mm -hmm. And we saw it so much with kickers This weekend with Parkey With Janikowski Getting injured, changed the strategy, uh, yep. you know, with that onside kick at the end of the game. Uh and then you look at Badgley, you know, he just he did a nice job. Everybody wants to get rid of kickers NFL and fantasy wise, but they've become so important. You know, look at Blair Walsh, Scott Norwood, Tony Romo situations sure. in the in the years past. You, you know, you, every part of your game has to be in tune. You can't make mistakes in the playoffs, the other team is going to pounce on it. As far as the Chargers go, there's been some games where they've really shown up, where you know late in the year at Kansas City and Pittsburgh, and now this. But you know, there's also been games where you know they've lost to Denver when they shouldn't have, where the Colts came in, where the Ravens came in and dominated them in the first meeting. So as good as the Chargers have looked yesterday, they're all they're also capable of uh, delivering a clunker. So. You know, there's a lot of teams that come into the playoffs like really hot. Like the Colts have won, like I think like ten of their last eleven. Uh, right. With the Chargers, they looked good yesterday. But uh, you know, the narrative when you win a playoff game always turns positive. But I haven't forget you know those losses to the Broncos and the Ravens. And did the, their defense won yesterday? The offense made plays when they had to. They put them in field goal position. That was a difference because the Ravens couldn't get even in a field goal position. But this this is going to be a different game in New England. Yep, uh, that's likely
2: true. I mean, you know, Tom Brady and them boys are waiting for them in Foxborough. I also want to give a special they're not, nod. They're not going
1: to make the kind of mistakes that the Chargers can pound on. No, on. They may, have, they may not look as good as they used to, but, you know, this team is still, they have the best coach, and they're not going to make the kind of mistakes that the Ravens did yesterday.
2: I think that is true. I also want to give a shout-out to Desmond King, um, who, you know, is on the uh, – you know he's on the all pro team Scotty twice he's on the all pro team as the nickel cornerback he's the all pro nickel cornerback. he's also the all pro kick returner and they had he had one big time return of seventy two yards that uh as soon as Baltimore was sort of getting the momentum that he ran had a great return given the charges once again all set up. You know the one other thing I'll mention here, uh, you know who else
1: is like in two spots of the all pro team. Tyreek Hill is like first-team flex and second-team wide receiver. I don't get that. You know, he should be one or the other.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense to me as well. You know, try to get as many people um, that kind of recognition as possible. Scotty, here's one thing, though. You talk about how, you know, maybe the Chargers are capable of a clunker, and I don't disagree with you. They are. One thing that I think will come to Foxborough next week and one thing that I think really could frustrate the Patriots is Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, Scott. That edge pressure, you know, kind of against the, the Ravens were actually a bad matchup for them, you know, because of how how much they wanted to run the ball. With those guys, Joey Bosa having a rush over the guards, which you saw. Ingram, but Ingram had a great game yesterday. He was all over the place, really stopping some of those read option runs and stuff before they could ever get started. I think that when Tom Brady is sitting back there as a relatively stationary target, I would be concerned if I were the Patriots. Patriots. job number one will be to make sure that number 54 and number 99 don't get their grubby little paws on the greatest living American on Sunday.
1: Yeah, you know, that's the thing. The one way to get Brady off of his game is to that's pressure right. him. And, you know, Gus Bradley's going to draw something up here to pressure him. And that's why James White's going to become such an important chess piece.
2: That's possibly true, and here's my question for you, Scotty. Derwin James, the young rookie, the rookie, by the way, all-pro, I believe, uh, rookie all-pro safety for the Los Angeles Chargers, do you think he's better served trying to take away Gronk or trying to take away James
1: White? I think they have enough talent in the defensive backfield that uh, they could possibly do both. Yeah, Do Do you really have to pay as much attention to Gronk I don't know, that's what to... I'm saying.
2: Now this Swiss Army knife that is Derwin James that they used to even spy Lamar Jackson that they can do so much with. You know, you talk about how like... What Bill Belichick likes to do is make you play left-handed and take away something. If the Chargers wanted to do that and utilize Derwin James to try to, like, eliminate one of these weapons, I actually believe you put him more as a you, – you have him watching James White because Gronk, as we have seen, you know, is, is a shell of his former self. I kind of believe that these, these secondary guys, the Kings, the Casey Haywards of the world, you, you let them worry about Hogan and Edelman and stuff and Derwin James. Is really kind of worried about Gronk and James White, um, and then you put that pressure with Ingram and Boza. I think that's the formula to try and stop TB twelve.
1: Uh, I think their biggest problem is we're going to be trying to lock up Edelman though. though. Mm-hmm. That that you know, ha- there are a lot of pieces to account for. You know, yeah. it's a different it's a different kind of offense, and now they have Sony Michelle, which is something they haven't had in the past. You know, even though the Patriots are what they used to be uh you know still more potent offensively than Baltimore. Not not as potent defensively, kind, obviously. Yeah. So it becomes, you know, completely different kind of game. You know, this is this is a game like everybody the whole nation is behind the Chargers right now, you know, outside of Boston. Because everybody's sick of the Patriots. And they want to see this happen. And what they want to see happen is for this to be the end of Tom Brady's career on Sunday, you know, as as just like the superstar who's dominated the game for the last two two decades. Yeah, you're right. Um, That's a storyline everybody wants to see. But you know, you're you're breaking it down objectively. You know, which is which is what we got to do. Yeah,
2: and like I said, I really do believe that you know. Derwin James was potentially drafted for this exact purpose. You know, to be someone that could try to take a guy like Gronk away, try to take a guy like James White away. You have Hayward and King in the secondary. You got Boza and Ingram trying to put the pressure on Brady. We'll see if the model works. But, Scotty, the best part is we got another hour to talk about it, okay? We got a fourth wildcard game to talk about. We got to recap the top stories at the top of the hour. And then we'll dive into that fourth game, do some autopsies on teams. We're only halfway through here. Roto Experts in the Morning, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Come on right back after this.
0: Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network.